loud. Ah, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, I am Andrew Langer. Welcome to the show. It is uh, jam-packed, action-packed today as I stare down all sorts of things to talk about. And you are going to want to stay tuned to the very end of the show today. Uh, you may have noticed that uh, the iconography on my show page and references to my the iconography on my personal page that refers to my WBA show, they are, they are gone, they are changed. I'm going to talk a little bit about why that is. Uh, but let's, uh, I want to start here. I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about the news and, and what's going on in the world because there are all sorts of things uh, that are happening. I want to thank you all for, uh, for uh, getting a hold of me. Uh, you know, it, it, let's start here. Uh, I appreciate, uh, I obviously appreciate the emails of support that have been sent my way. We're, like, as I said, we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Uh, but I still appreciate folks reaching out to me about issues that are going on in the world um, and, and things that uh, people think I ought to be talking about because that's, this is, this is, I've always been a big fan of the interaction. As many of you know, uh, I, 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 when I was uh, on WBL, love the text line. Um, and, and I'm trying to find a way to stay interactive in this format. It is difficult to do, uh, especially without a producer right now. So, um, I appreciate the emails and folks who reach out, want to chat about what's going on in, in my world, but also who want to talk about what's going on in the world, uh, generally programming note. I'm going to say, uh, this both at the beginning and at the end, um, the, uh, the, uh, Brian Kilmeade interview that we were supposed to do yesterday and we we're supposed to do last week is hopefully happening tomorrow. There was, uh, uh some snafus uh, on the other end didn't happen. Uh, so hopefully that's going to happen. And as I said, say this now, we'll say it again. If you want to come and see me, I am going to be speaking tomorrow. Uh, it's up on the Andrew Langer Show page on Facebook, facebook.com slash Andrew Langer Show. Uh, I'm going to be speaking on Veterans Day because this is the day before Veterans Day that we're recording this and doing this live. Um, I am going to be speaking about uh, the duty that America owes its veterans. Uh, this is an event being put together by a group called Patriot Voices. Uh, it is being held at 5.30 in the p.m., 5.30 in the evening, uh, in Columbus Circle, just outside of Union Station. Uh, so if you are in the, uh, if you're in D.C., obviously just come on over to Union Station or the Virginia, come on over to Union Station. Uh, but if you're in the Baltimore area and you don't want to drive in, you can take the train. It's very easy to do. You can catch a, a, the, there are what, three different Mark Rail lines. You come into Union Station, uh, I, the circle right across the way. Event will begin at 530. Uh, I'm not sure how long it's all going to go. Probably not much past an hour, I don't think. Uh, so you can be home uh, in time to, if you haven't watched Yellowstone yet, you can be home in time to watch uh, uh, Yellowstone on your, on your TiVo. And no... I have not watched Yellowstone uh, as of yet. So I want to start here uh, because this is uh, this is the, the well, there are all sorts of big news uh, that's that's happening right now. Um, actually, yeah, I want to start with uh, with Adam Schiff's uh, appearance on The View and the uh, the uh, Durham indictments that, that have come down uh, as of recently. This is this is important stuff here. In fact, let me let me go back to this. Um, as you all know, I have obviously been been watching the chicanery with the 2016 election uh, avidly for quite some time now. Um, uh, the back and forth and the involvement of the FBI uh, in the politics of the 2016 election is something that that deeply, deeply troubled me. Um, when I was you know on the air, uh, spending a lot of time talking about the timeline because the timeline, 
was everything. And there are things that we never got to the bottom of, like, for instance, uh, just what happened when President Trump, President Trump, that's a Freudian slip. What happened when President Clinton, former President Clinton, met with the Attorney General of the United States on the tarmac in Phoenix? We don't know uh, about that. We don't know uh, exactly what Nellie Orr was doing um, uh, when she was running the Chris Steele operation. Nellie Orr, for those of you who don't remember. You had Bruce Orr, who was a senior Justice Department official during the Obama uh, era. Uh, his wife, Nellie, was a former case officer with the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, she had left uh, the CIA and uh, was working for Fusion GPS. And she was running, I say this, she, well, she was the, the case officer in charge of the Christopher Steele operation. Uh, we still don't have any real accountability for this. We know that it happened, uh, but we don't know what's going on. What we do know is uh, that the uh, special prosecutor, John uh, Durham, has been uh, going after and, and engaging in, in this, uh, this glacial pace of an investigation. Uh, we know that someone who was responsible for preparing the Steele dossier or transmitting information uh, regarding the Steele dossier was indicted. And I'm going to get to what Adam Schiff had to say on The View in a moment. So a point that I've been consistent on, and I think it, it bears repeating, um, because it's, it's, it's very clear about this. And I, and I want to say this to the folks on the left, uh, the Democrats who believe that Donald Trump was a Russian plant and that, you know, they believe that the, the Russians skewed the election for Donald Trump, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. I have long maintained. And I say this is someone who spent a good deal of time uh, studying the Soviet Union. Yes, I know the Soviet Union is gone, but let us not forget that uh, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, uh, has his roots. He is what we would call a Czechist. He is someone who uh, has his roots in the Russian intelligence community, the Soviet intelligence community. Uh, so he takes the approach to global affairs that, that he did while he was, uh, while he was a spy master for the Soviets. Uh, that that the way you defeat Western style democracies or democratic republics or uh, bastions of freedom is you use their institutions of freedom against them, most especially things like freedom of speech. Uh, and that the goal of the Russians always was to turn us against each other. You know, it's funny. One of the things I'm going to be talking about with Brian Kilmeade is this issue. Brian Kilmeade's new book uh, is about uh, Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, and 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 it's um, uh, uh, it's about the battle to save America's soul. And I'm going to ask him uh, about the crossroads that America seems to be at. I'm going to ask him how both Lincoln and Frederick Douglass would view the crises of today and talk about what's contributed to it today. Um, but the reality is, right, the things that make America the greatest nation on earth, our, our very freedoms, uh, can be used against us and are, be used, are being used against us. And so with regards to Russia, right, what they want to do is they want to foment chaos. They want to turn us against each other. I mean, does any of this sound familiar to you? I, I mean, it certainly, it certainly does to me. I mean, the, the, to me, this is all textbook. A and so... Right. You know, as we, we this is not about what about ism. I want to be really clear about this. Um, we know that the Russians dangled information in front of both sides in the 2016 election. They, they dangled possible information about Hillary Clinton to the Donald Trump campaign, and they certainly dangled 
information about Donald Trump to the Hillary Clinton campaign and the people who were being paid to work for them. One of the major differences is, this is maybe a little bit of whataboutism, is that the Clinton campaign went for it. Like they, they went for it full bore. There's really no indication uh, that Team Trump ever relied on any disinformation or misinformation uh, that was coming out about Hillary Clinton. Right. Everything, everything else was sort of uh, about the, these other these other things and about what Hillary Clinton had done when she was secretary of state. Again, other things we haven't gotten to the bottom of the interplay between Hillary Clinton and her chief advisors, her chief advisors who were working for an outside consulting firm, the clients of that consulting firm who were donating money to the Clinton Foundation, who also had business before the State Department. And we're never going to get to the bottom of this. I mean, I'm not so naive uh, to think that, that, that we're at some point in time, uh, in that case, the truth will out, though I will say that was almost a subtweet about other things that the truth will out. Um, but the point is that, that the, the Russians were engaged in, in, this, in this operation to just see how much chaos they could foment. And, and, and we now, right, we now know this Steele dossier largely discredited you know, full of falsehoods, someone, someone, uh, um, and, and, and yet the, the FBI and people at the FBI seized on this, putting my glasses on. Uh, so here is, here is Adam Schiff, Congressman, uh, a chairman of the intelligence committee. And, and this is why this is important because here is somebody who should know better, but because Adam Schiff is a full throated partisan, uh, he, 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 he can't, he can't see it any other way here. He is on the view yesterday and I've, I've turned up the sound. Uh, so hopefully everybody's going to be able to hear this. Uh, let me go to the share screen button. Hello, everybody share sound. And, uh, let's go here. Let me, let me open this up. Adam Schiff on the view. So I want to ask you about something that's in the news a lot right now. Um, you've been really prolific over the past few years being the head of the Intel Committee, and you defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people? And by the way, this is a former Trump administration State Department official who I, I guess is uh, getting her trial on The View. I don't watch The View. I don't pay a lot of attention to this, but, but this is important stuff. Uh, so, but this is, this is a fair question. This is a straightforward question. You know, you, you touted this, you read it into the record. Um, uh, you, you, you think maybe as chairman of the intelligence community, this might not have been a good idea? Well, first of all, uh, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted, uh, and they are. Uh, and <clears throat> unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail, not be pardoned. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, oh the, well, there, there you go. You know, uh, again, he's trying to equate this with, uh, with oh, I don't know, uh, Michael Flynn. Who, again, part of a witch hunt, part of a witch hunt that, that began as a result of this misinformation. I mean, this is the this is the astounding levels of mental gymnastics that these folks go through. Again, chairman of the intelligence community uh, committee. Uh, so Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone for lying. He pardoned Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, if people lied to the FBI, <laughs> I mean, but it's the view, right? It's the view. So so he's he, with the exception of this one person, he's in a friendly environment anyway. 
uh, he part he pardoned Roger Stone for lying. Okay, yeah, it's the same thing. It's it's the same thing. They should go to jail. Um, but at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele. So it was proper to oh, invest- wait a minute. Time out for a second. You, Adam Schiff, are chairman of the Intelligence Committee. So, so you should be able to have at least some ability to distinguish, smell out, sniff out, ferret out, uh, that maybe uh, a foreign intelligence service uh, might be handing over garbage information to a former British intelligence officer as a way of manipulating the election. We we had no way of knowing. Um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, 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 Mr. Steele, where'd you get your information? Well, I, I met with uh, I met with people with connections to the Kremlin. <laughs> Does that wouldn't that make it immediately suspect? I mean, if if if. I'm and I'm not the the chairman of the intelligence committee, but but if I were and someone a guy former British spy came to me and says, yeah, um, uh, somebody with connections to the Russian government handed me this information. Yeah, I'm going to be a little dubious of it. I would think. Investigate them, and let's not forget what we learned in that investigation. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was giving internal polling data, campaign polling data to Russian intelligence. Well, wait a minute. Wait, okay. <laughs> I'm out for a second. And? And? He's giving polling data to to uh, to, to people in another country. I mean, it, it, so I, I'm trying to figure out where the, the crime is in all of this. I mean, listen, this is not to say that Paul Manafort didn't commit crimes. And, and in the interest of disclosure, remember that uh, that Paul Manafort's deputy, Rick Gates, uh, is someone I went to college with and, and, and like and, and feel terribly sorry for. Um, but but let, that doesn't un, that doesn't undo you, you know that that the, the very least of the things that Paul Manafort did right he was never convicted of handing over internal polling data uh, to a foreign intelligence service I mean that is that is insane again this the, Adam Schiff is a politician all Russian intelligence was helping the Trump and campaign. to be clear he was fired halfway through the campaign well he may have been fired yeah but the the effort to get Russian help continued and even beyond the effort to get Russian help but you know oh, okay but giving giving polling data to a foreign intelligence service is not indicative of getting help and again right no one is disputing that that the Russians again this gets to my narrative Adam Schiff is essentially confirming my narrative here that that the Russians gave to both sides. They were trying to get both sides. Why? Because they wanted to confuse the American voter. They were using, guys, Adam Schiff is what we call a useful fool. It's the, it's the, it's the, the very definition of it. Spread Russian disinformation get... yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel Committee Chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this. So, so again, that is a that is a, a straightforward question, and I'm sorry I, I, I glossed over it. I didn't pause it at the right time. She's saying here you can talk about Manafort, you can talk about Roger Stone, but you know, Chairman Schiff, you took this document that was fairly easily discredited incidentally and you ran with it you read it in the congressional record and you never you never corrected the record that's the important and he, right and she's giving him an opportunity right if i'm adam schiff 
again, I'm not Adam Schiff and, and, and there's no there's no honor among thieves in, in this regard, right? Adam Schiff should do the right thing and say, you know something, I was I was wrong. I, I was wrong. I shouldn't I shouldn't have done it. I should, you know, I, I screwed up, I trusted him. You know, it's like a, like a flounder with uh, the folks in the Delta house. Well, I, I completely disagree with your premise. Uh, it's one thing to say allegations should be investigated, and they were. It's another to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele, which is impossible. How about this? How about until you can get the dossier substantiated, how about until you do that, you don't read it into the congressional record? I mean, it, I mean, it's just that simple. Right. I mean, this this really is not rocket science. Possible, of course, to do, but but let's not use that as a smokescreen to somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia to help him in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election, mm. which he did, uh, into inciting an erection, uh, insurrection, which oh, he did. Inciting an erection—that's a Freudian slip there as well. I, I, I you know, and that's right. We can, we can, we can stop it there because we, we get, uh, we get sort of no, no joy out of that. Um, the, the, the point here is, right, because again, we, we sort of go down this road, keep in mind that as we're talking about, <laughs> Adam Schiff doesn't want to go to, and again, it's the view, so, so it's the, there are time constraints there, but if I'm Adam Schiff, I, I, I'm not, I would not want to go down the road of talking about Ukraine and, and Ukraine and the 2020 election, because certainly I would think that would open up issues of, um, of uh, of uh, of Joe Biden and uh, and Hunter Biden and their relationship, which again something else we're not going to get down to the bottom of, especially now that we've got all these other things. In fact, let me let me talk about let me shift gears for a second and talk about that. Uh, Hunter Biden and and the latest situation here, uh, and talking about you know it, talking about the the corruption of these establishment institutions. Um, we talked a little bit about the D Department of Justice and and the FBI and the politicized FBI and this or this entity, uh, Adam Schiff's entity, the, the House Intelligence Committee. Because it doesn't end there. And, and this is this is a, a, the, the, the truly disturbing portion of this. Uh, over the weekend, we got word that a, um, a a bunch of homes of employees of Project Veritas were raided by the FBI in some kind of an investigation into the theft of, I think it's Hunter Biden's, uh, let me, you know, listen, it's a complicated family tree and apparently we're, we're getting even more complicated. I mean, literally, you know, th 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 this... The Biden family tree is so complicated, it could be the Clinton family tree. I mean, it could be like something out of Arkansas. It's not. Um, but nevertheless, so this this diary was allegedly stolen uh, while this young lady was in rehab. Put that aside for a moment. But the question becomes, oh, and when Ver Project Veritas got the diary, they turned it over to the FBI. Right. They didn't want it. They couldn't they didn't publish any excerpts from it because they couldn't substantiate its provenance. Now, with the FBI raiding homes, I think the provenance is certainly substantiated. But the question becomes, why is the FBI? Why is the FBI raiding the homes over uh, the, of, of these Project Veritas employees over the theft of a diary of, of some random citizen? And I'm going to say that. 
you know, so what if this person is the granddaughter of the president of the United States? She's not employed by the federal government. She's not engaged in the administration. She's not carrying state secrets. And, and listen, it wouldn't surprise me if she were, uh, again, given this family and how screwed things up, uh, screwed up things are. But, but the, but I, I am struggling, as you can tell, I'm struggling to figure out where, what the FBI's nexus is here. What is the federal crime that is involved here? Um, because I, I gotta say, I'm completely floored by this and it smacks. And I'm not the only person who said this. I, I would pull it up. I didn't do it. I should have done it before the show, but, but Jonathan Turley, um, and because you may not, you may just be catching me for the first time in this format. Uh, Jonathan Turley is a professor at George Washington, uh, university school of law and someone who I have respected and admired throughout my professional career. I first met Jonathan Turley, uh, 25 years ago when I was the assistant and reader for a, um, a, a blind attorney uh, who had been the assistant attorney general in charge of the environment division of the Justice Department. And I got to meet uh, Jonathan Turley through working with that gentleman, Roger Marzullo, I've had him on the show uh, before, and and have always respected. And, and one of the things that Jonathan Turley and I share is a belief that the greatest affront to individual liberty in the United States today is unrestrained federal executive branch power. That the federal government is involved in so many things and is cloaked in this enormous power. That, that, that they can abuse individual rights in any one of a number of ways. And certainly we saw this throughout, the, we saw this before the 2016 election, we saw the politicization of the FBI, uh, and the use of that is, and, and actually, let me say this, because I said this, I was sitting in with uh, John Justice and Drew Lee on Twin Cities. Incidentally, I'm going to interrupt myself. Haven't done that in a while, guys. Um, one of the ways you can still catch me uh, is every Monday, uh, and, and every Monday for the last uh, almost 10 years now, uh, I've done an appearance on a radio show out of the Twin Cities, Twin Cities News Talk. Uh, 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 John Justice and Drew Lee. Uh, I go on with them at about five minutes of eight Eastern time. I'll put the link up on the Andrew Langer show page. Uh, but if you want another dose, I'm usually on with them for about 20 minutes talking about whatever the big issues are uh, from over the weekend and the week before. Sometimes I'll do a, a, a one-off with them, but you can always catch me. Anyway, was was talking with, with uh, uh, John and, and Drew uh, about this issue and I quipped well, what is there some kind of a uh, uh, some kind of a, a federal diary diary theft act and anti theft act that that they were acting under? I made this point. I said, you know, the the preponderance of the the lifespan of the FBI has been one in which it has been its powers have been abused. I say this. Um, that that for the first what was it almost 50 years while j edgar hoover was the uh was the director of the fbi it was politicized uh the the uh, uh hoover used uh the fbi for his own and i'm not going to say partisan political purposes i will say for his own political power purposes 
Uh, and then afterwards, there were a series of reforms. There was a series of reforms both uh, at the FBI and in the intelligence community uh, to try to rein in abuses of power that happened in the 1960s. And it, it really is only in recent memory, and I, I would cough, I would go, <coughs> Patriot Act. I, I, I can make that joke, I'm not going to. But, you know, in, in recent memory where, where these institutions have started to be abused again. And, and in fact, you know, when the Patriot Act was being passed, folks like me warned about the potential abuses, abuses there. Um, but I've been consistent. It's not, listen, it's not just law enforcement. It's not just the intel side of things. Uh, it is, uh, it, you know, it is, again, it goes to the uh, Henry Silverglade idea, building on the Lavrenti Beria idea. Right, Leventi Beria, who was the head of the Russian uh, secret service, secret police, said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Henry Silverglade said, the average American commits three felonies a day. And so the idea is that this power can be brought to bear in, in, in any one of a number of ways, in an almost infinite way. And this is the great threat that America is facing. And so... I've talked about this for a while, but one of the one of the the most outspoken advocates on this issue is Jonathan Turley. And, and so, if you're not reading Jonathan Turley's uh, website, his blog, you should. Uh, I think it's JonathanTurley.org. I'll, I'll put the link up on the Andrew Langer Show page. Um, but but you know, Jonathan Turley write, writes raising the same questions that I had, and I'm not going to say you know. Who's to say? I, I probably you know heard this and, and immediately went to Turley's page, and and found myself a, as usual in agreement with what Professor Turley had to say. But there is something very disturbing in this issue of of the FBI raiding the homes, and and I want to be really clear about something, because you know the, the defenders of this action will say. Well, Project Veritas isn't a journalistic entity. Uh, they're they're political. They're they're partisan. They have a viewpoint. And, and my answer to that is so. So what? That doesn't matter. You know, it, it, I'm not going to confuse things by talking about nonprofits and 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 that issue. But we we tend to we tend to have a very we people tend to have a very limited and and confused understanding of the way these rights get protected. Remember, the First Amendment applies not just to journalistic speech and journalistic activities but it applies to political speech and so there is there is no difference in terms of the level of horror between an fbi raiding a journalistic outlet for investigative journalism that they're doing or if they invade a political organization for the political work that they're doing they're, the, the two the, the, the two go hand in hand they can't be separated the two are equally horrible, and they should be. And so, you know, this is this is this is something that is, you know, given the given the the, the din, given the cacophony, the farrago. How many how many uh, twenty five dollar words can I use here? Um, the the cacophony. I'll I'll leave it at that of, of stories that are out there uh, about the nasty things that are happening. Um, this is just one among many, uh, and I hope it gets greater attention. Listen, I will say this much, and this is the optimist in me, because uh, I've been to this dance before. I know what happens when Republicans retake control of Congress and they start trying to investigate uh, Democratic administration activities. It usually goes nowhere, because uh, they're usually not as aggressive as the Democrats are. 
again, not trying to play whataboutism or one-upsmanship, uh, but we're in an era in which in in which they are certainly playing for keeps. We are we are starting. We we go a certain degree and then we and then we don't. And and you know, as evidence, I talk. You we can talk about what uh, what the Obama administration's IRS did to conservative organizations. And the fact that there was virtually no uh, accountability there, but um, I want to I want to shift gears a, a, a bit, and uh, we we got all sorts of stories we can talk about uh, today. Um, but I want to I want to shift gears. That that was the the, the whole Adam Schiff thing and, and abuse of power. Um, I, let's let let me talk a little bit about the uh, consumer price index and and what's going on there. Um, had well actually I won't, won't go down that direction. I'll start here, which is we predicted this. Um, we've been talking about inflation and inflationary pressures for for months. I mean, since before Joe Biden took office. I mean, uh, we, we were talking about this during the during the Trump administration and 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 during COVID. And as folks were talking about what we ought to do to deal with uh, the economy shutting down. Um, and I long maintained, and uh, you know that the, the best way to save the economy is to open up the economy, as we saw when you reopened the economy in the summer of 2020 in certain areas. You know, you saw the economy start to rocket back. Um, but we knew what was going to happen when the administration was paying people to stay at home, was manipulating, and let's be really clear here, manipulating the labor marketplace to keep people at home and to drive up wages. We knew it was going to happen when you devalued the dollar by printing more money. At the same time, uh, you were causing various costs of doing business to go up. It's, it's, it, it really is the worst of all possible worlds. You know, an economy works organically. And you want there to be legitimate pressures on, on labor costs. I'm not, I could pull up charts and talk to you about this. What do I mean? Um, well, we, we, we know this. When you, when you, pay people to stay home. This is how the left raises the minimum wage without having to go through the uh, the nasty debate over raising the minimum wage, right? We know that what you want to do in an economy, you, you take, a, take a look at what they did in, in North Dakota, right? North Dakota, you, you open up the, the shale oil fields, the tar sands, and you attract people to go and get these high paying jobs uh, and so all of the other industries, there's demand in places like Walmart and places like McDonald's, et cetera. Um, there's demand for their goods, so they need to hire more people, but there's also uh, a labor shortage, so they need to pay, attract more workers, right? That's how you do it organically. And, and when I say that, I don't mean this in, in the abstract sense. I look at an economy as an organism. I do. I, I have for years. It responds to depressants and gets depressed. It responds to stimulants. And there are all kinds of un unintended consequences when you monkey around with it. You get essentially a COVID-19 variant in an economy. And I, and I mean that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Right? You get mutations. You don't want that. You don't want aberrations to occur. You want your economy to function in a healthy and organic fashion. And, and by shutting down our economy in 2020, locking it down. Well, you, you threw it for a loop there. And then in order to revive it, you did all these other things. Rather than just sort of reopen things up, you know, remove the obstruction from the, uh, uh, from, from the, the trachea, 
You know, you, you, you insert a, a, a trach tube and now all of a sudden you got to deal with all of the uh, complications from the trach ring in, in the economy's throat. Did not intend to go down that road with that analogy, but figured I'd run with it. And, and so here we are. And here we are with the consumer prices being at the highest level in 30 years for, for two months in a row with no end in sight, with uh, a socialist at the, uh, you know, you know, at the Treasury Department, with people who don't understand how to run an economy trying to run this economy, and a president who is flying all over the world making promises. And we're going to talk about uh, uh, carbon issues in a second. But here's, here's what I keep coming back to. This all could have been avoided. We knew what was going to happen. We, we, you know, listen, nobody, nobody knew better than listener Marty from Parkville, right? Marty, who anytime I would have, is true. Anytime I would have someone whose, uh, whose business was economics, uh, come on the show, you know, uh, uh, Steve Moore, uh, Phil Kirpin, uh, Grover Norquist, etc. You know, Marty would be in uh, uh, texting into the show about about uh, uh, Zimbabwean economics and whose face is going to be on the American uh, uh, billion dollar bill. I mean, all all kind, some of it tongue in cheek, but but the point is raising the issue, wanting me to ask these guests about it. And sometimes I could, sometimes I couldn't. But but we were we were we were talking about this. We've been talking about this forever, and, and so I'm not shocked. I'm dismayed. You know, every time I go, I go to the pump now and I see gas at, oh, got to talk about this. I didn't even planned on it. Oh, it's a great segue. It's going to be an arc. The arc. Let me, let me explain the arc of what we're going to do. We're going to talk about prices. We're going to talk about gas prices. We're going to talk about pipelines and supply and the Biden administration. Uh, and then we're going to get into the Green New Deal and talk about that. That's, that's where this is going to go. So, so fasten your seatbelts, folks. Every time I go to the pump and it now costs me what uh, 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 let's let's say a third. I'm, I'm not going to say twice as much. I'll, I'll give I'll give team Biden the benefit of the doubt here. I shouldn't. But it costs 30 percent more now to fill up my tank than it did uh, 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 six months ago, eight months ago. I mean, that, that, that that's amazing to me. You know, and and again, not rocket science. We know how the energy economy works. We know how it works, right? You have demand, you have supply. And again, I because I, we I used to get these texts as well on the air and emails. Well, Andrew, the reason why oil prices are going up uh, is because there's so much more consumer demand for it. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But when you have high demand, you know what what is a what how does a how does a federal how does a what is the role of the federal government in this i've talked about this right because we get into what's the responsibility what what did donald trump do what did barack obama do what did george w bush do to to impact these things oh the president has a limited impact on what he can do with the economy well that can be true but there are many things regulatory causes you know i've talked about quite a bit but how about this when you act to stop drilling and you send a signal that supplies are going to be limited, worse, that supplies were going to be relying on our supply of petroleum from places that are unstable or politically unfriendly to us, well, that has an effect of driving up oil prices. 
It does. When you announce that you're going to have rules that are going to significantly deal a blow to the refining and burning of fossil fuels, that has an impact on energy prices. It, 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 again, not rocket science. This is the way it works. And so we get these stories, right? Oh, the president, president is lifting sanctions to allow the Russians to pipe more gas. And again, you got Adam Schiff saying, oh, uh, the, uh, Donald Trump, the Russians were trying to help Donald Trump get elected. What? We, we, you know, Donald Trump, I went through the list at one point. I'm not going to do it again. All the things that Donald Trump uh, did to oppose the Russians. Set that all aside. We have Joe Biden here lifting sanctions so that the Russians can build a pipeline or finish building their pipeline, you know, and, and allowing them to corner an energy market in, in, uh, in, in Europe. We're shutting down pipelines here. We're talking about shutting down pipelines here in America. They canceled Keystone XL. That has an impact on prices. And, and so, you know, you get Jennifer Granholm, you know, again, who should former governor of Michigan, who should be, I would think, irate that uh, uh, Michiganders are going to lose jobs over the shutting down of a pipeline. No, she's saying, oh, well, we, we can only hope. I, I should have pulled that up. Um, I want to, I, I, you know, and to that end, I want to go here because we have the Treasury Secretary. Um, sorry, let me pull this up here. We have the Treasury Secretary, uh, who is, uh, who, uh, 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 Saleh Amarova, who was educated in the Soviet Union. Um, she is, she is here talking about bankrupting the fossil fuel industries as we talk about the, the, the Green New Deal. And this, you know, and this is not surprising to me. And by the way, we're going to play something real quick uh, that, that gets to the, the roots of all this. Um, here she is, the, the nominee to be the, uh, the Treasury Secretary. For certain uh, troubled industries and firms that are in transitioning. And here what I'm thinking about is primarily coal industry and oil and oh, gas industry. I want to go back. I want you to hear this For example, for certain uh, troubled industries and firms that are in transitioning. And here what I'm thinking about is primarily coal industry and oil and gas industry. A lot of the small... By the way, I'm sorry, but but you think... You, 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 you know, you think if you're the Biden administration and you're going to you're going to get a Marxist trained economist to be your Treasury secretary nominee, maybe you get the nominee who doesn't sound like she is a 1980s uh, action film villain. Right. Maybe you get someone who sounds a little bit less uh, a little bit less Soviet. I, I don't know. It's just me. Let me go back here. I'm sorry. And, you know, something. I, I, I'm someone who I'm someone genuinely likes hearing russian accents i do i love russian poetry i do i love russian poetry this 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 is disturbing so she's talking about i mean actually let me start all over again because i want you to pay particular attention and she sounds like someone who was educated in in, in economics at a soviet university right though the way that the term she uses for certain uh, troubled industries and firms that are in transitioning. And here what I'm thinking about is primarily coal industry and oil and gas industry. Okay. Uh, first of all, coal, coal and oil firms are only in trouble because of efforts of the administration um, and, and the troubled firms. And, and the reality is, right, uh, um, you know, maybe, maybe if you changed your five-year plan, Maybe if you change your five-year plan and sort of had a more balanced, okay, we'll get to the balanced, balanced energy portfolios in a second. 
one of the smaller players in that industry are uh, going to probably uh, go bankrupt in, in, in short order. At least we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change, right? Oh, my God. All right. She said the quiet part out loud. I, I want to I go back. Because there are two things that are going on here that she's saying. See if you can pick up what the two things are. Smaller players in that industry are. Hold on. I got to go back a little further. Sorry. A lot of the smaller players in that industry are uh, going to probably uh, go bankrupt in, in, in short order. At least we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change, right? She said two things there. Very, very important things. Uh, whoops. Troubled Started up again. Only I could hear it. So everybody is talking about the fact that she's talking about the oil and gas industry or the coal industry wanting to go bankrupt. And that's, that's a problem. But she's also talking specifically about small firms. And as you all know, I was a, a small business lobbyist for a number of years. Uh, one of the things that I do know, and we all know, and you've heard me talk about this on the show quite a bit, we know that in a high regulation environment, high cost regulatory environment, that smaller firms, small businesses are least equipped, less equipped than big businesses, their big business counterparts to handle that. And they will go out of business. And when government is specifically picking winners and losers and when big businesses, and we're going to get into this in a second, when big businesses are are the ones who are writing these laws that are driving these small players out of business, that's called cronyism. Now, I know Jerry last night was talking about transportation and he was talking about the racist roads. We'll play some Pete Buttigieg in a second. Uh, and talking about it as a class issue and about the elites versus the working class. That's absolutely true. Let's also take it onto the issue of, of energy production and development, right? That's the transportation side. This is the energy production side. And, and what, what um, uh, Ms. Amarova is saying is that, A, they want this industry to go bankrupt. Um, they know that smaller firms, they hope that smaller firms are going to go bankrupt first, which means that they are, and the folks who are pushing this policy, which are large energy companies and other very powerful, wealthy players, yeah, I'll say it. Um, go and look at, at, at what Congressman Sean Caston from Illinois is pushing uh, in terms of green energy. And look at the industry that he and his father were both in and how their industry benefits from uh, and, and how that business those businesses benefit from the Green New Deal policies that are being pushed. And you get a sense as to exactly what I'm talking about. Right. You, you create a situation. I had a conversation with a colleague yesterday who was asking me about uh, uh, carbon neutral policies and what does it really mean? And why are these particular why are, why are certain segments of the industry pushing for this? Well, because they can make money on it. Um, it is essentially the equivalent of the broken windows theory of economics. Right. The idea that the left has, which is that regulations spur economic growth because they create new industries which is the essentially the modern equivalent of 
uh, a guy owns a, a window repair, a, a glazier company, a window repair company. He tries to drum up business. So he sends his son down to the nearest strip mall to throw bricks through all the windows. And, you know, the left would say, oh, well, they, they created economic activity. He's now going to make some money. The problem, of course, is what he's really done and what these these things really do is they depress economic activity. A, by driving up the cost of energy, but but generally by substituting the judgment of the government and the substitution of the bureaucrats and the substitution of the elitist academics uh, as to how a firm, and I'll use these terms, how a firm might reallocate their capital, right? It's, it's one of those things. Well, I could buy, um, I could buy a piece of equipment that'll make my, my uh, employees more productive that can produce uh, X number more widgets per hour you know, or or I could buy something that'll that'll take some kind of musculoskeletal uh, uh, burden off of my employees to make their lives easier, so they'll be happier, so they'll be able to work longer, etc. But no, now I can't do this because uh, um, uh, Saleh Amarova, the Treasury Secretary, has made energy prices skyrocket because she's causing firms to go bankrupt because that's what they want to do. This is the equivalent, by the way, of the nominee for Energy Secretary under Barack Obama who wanted to see gasoline at $6 per gallon. I mean, it's one of those situations, right, guys, where all you have to do is pay attention to what's going on and you see what's happening. Um, with that in mind, I do want to turn. Oh, oh, oh! I, I actually want to share this because this is not new, by the way. Um, uh, this idea of driving companies to go bankrupt is not new. Now, it, it was unsophisticated, but I want to point to something that a, a clip that is 52 years old. Listen, y'all know I'm a music fan. Y'all know I'm a huge fan of Joni Mitchell and a huge fan of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, I, I loved the David Crosby "Remember My Name" uh, uh, documentary. Before I play this clip of David Crosby, I will say this much. Um, one of the reasons why David Crosby was ousted from the birds is that he would get out there and spout all kinds of political theorizing on stage that the rest of the birds weren't comfortable with. Um, and, and, and you know, for instance, it was cut out of the Monterey Pop concert, but Crosby uh, spouted off his theories about the Kennedy assassination. Anyway, right after Woodstock in 1969, um, um, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, the Jefferson Airplane, or at least Grace Slick and, and Paul Kantner, uh, and Joni Mitchell all appeared on Dick Cavett. And they're just sitting around, you'll see it, it's, listen, fascinating television. They're sitting around just rapping uh, with Dick Cavett. And David Crosby says, uh, says this, let me, uh, let me pull this up. I got one. They passed out in the executive room upstairs. <laughs> I got one, and I don't even think it's wrong. Okay. Well, like the air that we're all breathing is not clean, right? You're aware of that, right? right. Everybody is. Anybody looks out the window. <coughs> Consider this. The only way to solve it seems to be to convince GM, Ford, Chrysler, 76, Union, Shell, and Standard to go out of business. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Which is which is merely a setup for the punchline, which is fat chance. <laughs> well, fat, fat chance, except that, that, you know, if you're looking at it in terms of things that are immediate and things that are down the road, right, that's 52 years ago. And here's where we are, right? They're, listen, and I'll say this, 
The air was dirty. The waters were catching waters. The rivers were catching on fire. The question is always is how clean is clean and what are the trade-offs that we're talking about? I mean, this is, this is what we're always getting at. And, and so I know, you know, as I said, Jerry was, I know Jerry was talking about this filling in for Dan Joseph on WBAL last night because Jerry and I talked about it today. Not, not that I was listening. Um, um, but, but this is, this is what happens is that, you know, you, you, you drive up these costs for the poor and you take away choices from the poorest of Americans. The only people left with choice are, are, um, uh, are, are the wealthiest among us. And I'm not going to talk about people. Just, I, I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll leave it there. I want to make sure that I get everything that I wanted to get to. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I did. Uh, we don't have to talk about Pete Buttigieg. Um, you know, but, but that's just it. And I, I, I've said this, and I know folks have said it sounds like a conspiracy theory, right? The left wants to move people out of rural America. Uh, they want to get them out of their cars for long distances. They want to get them out of individual cars. We know this. We want them to get out of big cars. We want small cars, which means we want smaller families. Uh, we want them in cities. We want them traveling on our schedule entirely. Uh, you know, essentially, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the goal of the left is to enact a social crediting system on par with what the Chinese Communist Party has done in China. I'm, 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 all right, maybe I'm saying it a little bit. But the reality is if they were, it's much, much easier to do if people are in cities and you know where people are going and how far they're driving. Um, you know, this is, this is a, a, a huge, huge danger. So, um, yeah, before I talk about events, let me give this, uh, announcement. You all have been waiting, uh, waiting for this. I, I'm not going to go into great details today, uh, cause there's still some moving parts that are going on. Um, and I am going to be sitting down with, uh, with somebody next week, uh, to talk more about this. And I, I can talk a lot. I think I, I feel more comfortable talking about that after this happens. Um, so yeah, I've talked about these logistical issues and again, not going to go into d details, but things, uh, things fell apart, um, and, and fell apart to the point where it, it is pretty clear. I am not going to be returning to the WBAL air airwaves, uh, anytime soon, if at all. And this is not by my choice. Um, let me, let me be really clear uh, about that. Um, I, I, Loved and the, the grand irony is that Sunday. I may say something on Sunday as well. Sunday, the fourteenth uh, of November, would be the tenth anniversary of my first fill-in show on WBAL. Um, I have loved being on those airwaves. I love being on those airwaves. Um, it is it it has been a tremendous opportunity for me. If I had my choice, I would be on there right now. I don't have that choice um, because of 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 what happened at a meeting um in in october and, and actually really a meeting that happened two weeks before that but but set that all aside there are other issues as i said that are involved um suffice it to say i will i will say this much because it is a matter of public record um that sag aftra the the uh, screen actors guild um uh, they are the union that represents the on-air employees at wbal uh both the television and radio it's a little bit different the sort of the, what they call bargaining units set that all aside uh, SAG-AFTRA filed a, uh, an unfair labor practice charge with the National Labor Relations Board last week. Now, it's not just over my circumstances. That's a part of it. 
uh, but other things that have been happening at, at WBAL. Uh, that was filed last week. And I, again, I will, I, as I get more comfortable with it, I will, I will speak a little bit more about it down the road. And, and, and at some point in time, the, the full story will be out there. I will say this came to my attention today as I was looking up uh, something that happened with Hearst, the parent company of WBAL, uh, and and the Writers Guild and their magazine employees last year and, and Hearst losing at the NLRB last year. Um, so it came to my attention that at the same time all of this was going on with SAG-AFTRA, and um, in fact, I will I will share this. I will pull this up because I have it here. Um, yeah, let me pull this up. Uh, at the same time all of this was going on, uh, you can see this, um, uh, that uh, that uh, the magazine program, the magazine division over at Hearst, uh, the employees there who are now represented by the Writers Guild of America, uh, they also fired an fired filed an unfair labor practices complaint uh, with the NLRB uh, against Hearst. Um, and I was not aware of this. I think I think the timing is really interesting that that theirs and, and this one happened uh, at the same time. Uh, but you can go and check all of that out. Uh, but that's where we are, guys. Now, with that in mind, I do have good news. Again, it's not just about about this other thing. Uh, you saw that I've changed the iconography uh, on my page. That's sort of a recognition of the reality that now exists. Um, but uh, it's also I, I am I am pursuing some things. Just so you know, and, and as always, you know, follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Langer on Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash Andrew Langer show the YouTube page SoundCloud is now going to be putting up my uh, my stuff. Um, but if you're trying to catch me on the airwaves again in the Baltimore area, uh, I am uh, re returning to my roots uh, and filling in for an old friend of mine, uh, Derek Hunter, who is on WCBM. Uh, uh, you can you can catch me there. I'm going to be filling in for Derek from 9 a.m. to 11:45 every day Thanksgiving week, Monday through Friday of Thanksgiving week. And so you know, especially I know y'all love these. Uh, uh, these holiday time shows because we we get a little more interesting. Obviously, we'll talk about whatever the top stories of the day, the, the hits of the day are. Uh, we'll have some really interesting interviews. In fact, I may wind up also playing that Brian Kilmeade interview uh, during that uh, show. We'll try to get some more between then. Uh, but but also, it's Thanksgiving week, so we'll we'll probably be talking about cooking. We'll probably be talking about pop culture stuff uh, as well. Uh, you know, one of the great uh, um, one of the great Thanksgiving scenes in all of movie was movies was filmed in, in Baltimore. That being Avalon, we you may hear some of that as well. Uh, but so tune in uh, to the Derek Hunter show on WCBM all through Thanksgiving week. I'll be filling in uh, for him. And again, uh, uh, tomorrow, uh, Veterans Day, catch me at five thirty live. I'll be giving a talk on uh, uh, Veterans Day and the duty that America owes its veterans. Uh, that'll be in Columbus Circle outside of Union Station uh, at 5.30 p.m. in Washington, D.C. Uh, also going to be having my conversation tomorrow with Brian Kilmeade, I hope. Uh, and you could, you'll be able to catch me catch me on Monday on the John Justice Show, uh, Justice and Drew on Twin Cities News Talk. Uh, I'm Andrew Langer, everybody. Have a great week. Have fun. And as I always say, stay safe.